Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show for the weekend of June 26th through 28th, 2020. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. So last week, we talked about how various movie theater exhibitors were moving to open by mid-July, and how after some initial pushback, they ultimately decided to acquire masks for all visitors. Uh, there was even a pretty funny Onion article st- about it stating that AMC would require all movie characters on screen uh, to wear masks. Uh, I'll link it to the show notes if you need a laugh. Um, I'm guessing you will because this week has some pretty uh, depressing news uh, coming out, at least if you're a fan of seeing uh, movies in theaters. Uh, so first up, uh, Warner Brothers has moved Tenet yet again. Uh, originally moved from July 17th through July 31st, uh, it has now been pushed back another two weeks to August 12th. Uh, this, of course, has had ripple effects, cascading dominoes of um, other movies moving around. Um, you know, First off, the Russell Crowe Road Rage film, Unhinged, moves from July 10th to July 31st, uh, taking that old Tenet date. Second, uh, Selena Gomez's production, The Broken Hearts Gallery, which was originally set for July 17th, uh, has been pushed by Sony back to August 7th. Disney's live-action Mulan finally moved. So we had a Mulan once a couple of weeks ago, uh, moving from July 25th uh, date uh, to August 21st. So the week after... Um, the week, uh, or, or you know, yeah, roughly the weekend after um, Tenet comes out. Uh, currently, it's up against the horror film Antebellum, though I expect that to move, so they don't want to compete with Disney. Um, and then finally, Bill and Ted Face the Music, the third movie in that franchise, uh, was originally scheduled for August 21st, but then it moved to August 14th when Wonder Woman moved off that date. Now it's moving back again past August 21st uh, to August 28th. Um, that is currently competing against the long-maligned New Mutants film. You know, As of right now, Wonder Woman on October 2nd and New Mutants in August 28th have not yet moved. Uh, neither has A Quiet Place 2, which I believe is set for sometime early September. Um, there is some uncertainty around A24's horror film Saint Maud, uh, which looks like it currently might be scheduled for July 17th and it's presumably the first new film in theaters though you know some reports say that that's probably not going to be the case um, you know in any case it's uncertain if it'll stick if it is um, A24 has also already announced plans to move their indie film First Cow uh, direct to streaming next week it actually had come out you know the week before coronavirus hit um, and they pulled it planning on re-releasing it but it doesn't look like that's actually going to be happening at this point um, so instead of a theatrical release it's going straight to uh, PVOD um, which is pretty rare for you know A24, who's lover of cinema, to do something like this. Um, I'm not convinced that all of these new dates, you know, the the July 31st Unhinged, July uh, August 7th uh, Broken Hearts Gallery, uh, 21st Mulan, 12th Tenet, uh, and 28th Bill and Ted, as well as you know New Mutants, will actually stick. Um, I'm especially concerned for Mulan, given that China situation uh, with reopening theaters not you know being on hold because of new cases in Beijing. Um, between that situation and the various scandals surrounding Ansel Elgort, who stars in Steven Spielberg's adaptation of West Side Story, I wouldn't be surprised if Disney decides to just say, screw it, let's move Mulan back to December, move West Side Story into 2021, um, and as they resuit with a new lead. So, um, you know, keep an eye on Mulan moving potentially again. So, uh, what caused Tenet and Mulan and all the others to move back? Well, for one, Governor Cuomo of New York State um, took movie theaters off the schedule for reopening after seeing the surge in cases across the country um, in states that did not have as aggressive reopening guidelines, such as in Texas and Florida. 
um, you know, they originally had a plan for phase four um, out of four for reopening. As a reference, we just hit came into uh, phase two last week. Um, and yeah, movie theaters were supposed to come out then, but they are now off the schedule and there's no set date for when they're going to reopen. You know, as a resident of New York, I totally understand the logic and in not wanting to put to waste all of the effort the past few months of staying at home, um, trying to flatten the curve and controlling the spread here in New York. Um, you know, we've gotten down from a peak of about maybe 800 daily deaths um, down to, I think the most recent number was only single digit, I think seven deaths um, in the last day or so, um, which is a pretty remarkable case, especially as the rest of the country sees cases rise. Um, but, you know, if the other states are seeing cases go up, New York is you know obviously going to be cautious about reopening movie theaters that might be contributing to the spread of that, especially as, um, you know, air, air conditioning and, and, and ventilation systems might be a contributing factor indoors. Um, you know, in the semi-related news, all of the uh, Broadway shows are expected um, to be delayed until January 2021, 21, um, and those had also initially been in phase four alongside movie theaters. So um, it's kind of sad, you know, to not have a movie theater without uh, a, a, th- a summer without going to the movie theater, but it is what it is, and we kind of have to deal with it for the greater good. You know, not saying that means that you know, movie theaters won't come back to New York by January, of course, by because of the, the Broadway thing, but, you know, it's still a possibility. Um, anyway, California has also been hit especially hard in the surge in the past couple of weeks. Um, so, you know, between losing New York and LA, you know, the two biggest box office markets domestically, it makes sense that studios would want to hold out a little bit longer to see if they can get them when they reopen. I'm really curious, actually, about what studios will do if New York and LA continue to stay closed for the rest of the year. Um, perhaps, you know, mid, mid to lower sized budget films, you know, such as, you know, Unhinged with the Broken, the Broken Hearts Gallery could go to theaters. Um, but then again, those could also be the perfect case to, you know, get on, on VOD. You know, I can't imagine the big $100 million plus budget films, you know, such as Wonder Woman, James Bond, Soul, you know, Tenet, um, and, and, and Mulan going to direct the streaming and, and PVOD, but I also can't imagine them going in the theaters without New York and LA. So who knows what's going to be coming up uh, out with them. They might get delayed to 2021, which would be pretty depressing. Um, you know, in response to all of these delays, exhibitors have slowed down the reopening plans we talked about last week. Um, instead of July 15th, AMC, the number one exhibitor, is now aiming for July 30th reopening of its 600 theaters. Uh, Cinemark is similarly pushing back from early mid-July to late July. Um, some theaters I, I saw you know, in Pittsburgh, from one report I saw, were originally on July 3rd opening. is going to be on July 24th now. Um, no word yet from Regal Cinemas, though I expect them to you know, follow suit and open up toward the end of July. So all that kind of sad news aside, you know, there's still more dist- movie distribution news worth covering. Um, so we'll, we'll, let's get into those. Um, you know, first, staying in the realm of exhibitors, in terms of reopening, let's look at some international markets. Um, Saudi Arabia, definitely not the biggest market, but it has reopened its theaters with a 30% capacity. Um, one really interesting story actually is France. Uh, so they reopened their movies uh, June 22nd, which was you know just over a week ago. Um, the last week they sold almost 900,000 tickets over the course of the seven-day period from the 22nd to Sunday, um, the, uh, 20, uh, the 28th. Um, this is about half of what a normal box office in June would look like for them. Um, but again, but compared to other countries that have 
had reopenings, such as Japan uh, and New Zealand, you know, those countries only opened to, you know, 17 and even 5% um, of last year of, uh, of a typical June month, um, less than 20%. So the fact that France is doing, you know, 50% of what it would normally do is, you know, boding pretty well for the French box office, uh, relatively speaking. Um, this is especially impressive, you know, given that only about 60% of theaters were open for the first two days, um, and only 85% for the first three days. Um, and I believe you know, after Wednesday, you know, Wednesday through Sunday was about the bulk, almost two thirds of the movie th- of the tickets came in. So um, there is no admission cap. Initially, there had been a fifty percent admission cap per auditorium, um, and masks were only required in the common area, not in the um, not once you're seated and in your seat. Um, so we'll see if that has an effect on the coronavirus spread within France. But France is definitely being gung ho, you know, which makes sense given they're one of the bigger markets for film, uh, and they have a very rich history of film. Um, you know, Canada is also open. Uh, Cineplex, the largest uh, exhibitor there, opened with $5 movie screenings, uh, mostly of earlier 2020 films. Uh, and finally, in the UK, you know, similar to France, they, uh, or unlike France, actually, um, they con- p- confirmed that the national guidelines for reopening theaters has no requirements for people to wear masks to theaters. Um, similar to how uh, Cineworld, the largest uh, retailer there, said they would not require masks. Uh, here in the States, you know, I actually missed this last episode, but, you know, it's a bit of a throwback. Um, dinosaurs ruled the world once more, or at least the box office. Uh, Jurassic Park topped the box office with $517,000 in 230 theaters, uh, most of those drive-in theaters, um, on the weekend of June 19th. Uh, this is 27 years after its initial re- release, when it was uh, number one for three weeks, um, you know, when it came out uh, 27 years ago. Um, it's only the fourth weekend uh, that Jurassic Park has been number one um you know jaws another steven spielberg film was a close number two uh with 516,000 yeah uh 516,000 dollars in 187 locations uh so good for spielberg he still got the uh the summer blockbuster touch uh even holding up all these years later uh compared to the prior week invisible man was number one with 383,000 trolls world tour was number two with 275,000 so there's definitely an increase week over week um i don't have any numbers for for what the top, uh, you know, uh, most viewed uh, in theaters or drive-in theaters would be um, for this past weekend. So we'll see if those numbers went up or down with the surge of coronavirus. Uh, looking to the production side of things, there are a couple of interesting stories, um, you know, with how the pandemic is making animated films and television shows, uh, particularly PG-13 and R-rated films, uh, more appealing, especially given that production uh, on live action shows and movies are still halted at the moment. Um, you know, if that gives us more films like Into the Spider-Verse, I'm all for that. Uh, moving over to the streaming side of things, um, you know, aside from First Cow from A24, which we had talked about earlier this episode, uh, another movie moving directly to streaming and VOD is Paramount's SpongeBob mo- movie Spuns on the Run, uh, featuring Keanu Reeves. That was initially scheduled for August seventh after the pandemic rescheduled it. Um, instead of that date, it's actually going to be moving uh, to the par- to the Paramount uh, streaming service, CBS All Access. Uh, remember, Paramount uh, is part of Viacom CBS. Um, that service, CBS All Access, will be rebranding in early 2021. Um, so, you know, I th- this is kind of a weird one because if you think about the last couple of films that went animated films that went direct to streaming and PVOD, and that was Trolls World Tour and Scoob, you know, for Universal and Warner Brothers. Um, 
you know, despite what Universal said about, oh, they made so much money in, in so many days, um, generally speaking, they didn't, they probably didn't make enough up to make up the budget and all the marketing costs and all that. And Scoop definitely made less. I think last week he said they made probably about 30% less overall, um, you know, before going to HBO Max, I believe this, uh, this coming month. Um, so, you know, Paramount has had the worst luck uh, with animated films. Um, and, so you know that that's definitely cause of concern for if they're going to go direct to streaming, they'll make even less money um, than they would in theaters. On the other hand, uh, one astute writer pointed out that the director of uh, *Spawns on the Web has a pretty terrible track record for the most part. Um, and so you know, if they had a theatrical release and it did poorly, that very well may be the nail in the coffin for a Paramount animated group. Um, I talked about in one of my earlier episodes how you know of all of the major five major studios doing animation right now, Paramount's definitely the one most behind. They haven't really had a real successful film since the first uh, SpongeBob movie. Um, so I guess it makes sense that they want to avoid like an Artemis Fowl uh, type situation, um, you know, in theaters. Um, so maybe moving to streaming, especially if they're looking for content for that streaming service um, to, to plug it out. Um, you know, aside from that, you know, other streaming news, uh, Digital Entertainment Group, uh, they are ranking for the most watched movies of the week. Sonic the Hedgehog uh, has been the number one film for the last four weeks, um, but now Invisible Man has overtaken it to be number one. Um, in slightly weirder streaming news, um, after releasing the Tenet trailer uh, in Fortnite of all places, um, you know, kind of as the next best thing compared to doing it in theaters, uh, Chris Nolan will be bringing his other films, uh, Batman Begins, The Prestige, and Inception, uh, also to stream in Fortnite uh, for free uh, this past weekend, actually, so starting June 26th. Uh, we know we're truly living in a gaming society in the dankest timeline when Tenet will end up becoming delayed so much that Warner Brothers says, you know, screw it. We're just gonna put it on the Fortnite. Um, where are we dropping, boys? Um, I mean, yeah, this is kind of weird, but again, we've covered it in the past how for Nolan, the movie going experience is seeing the same thing at the same time with other people. So, you know, being in the same map with other people in Fortnite, I guess that kind of makes sense for him. Uh, moving to specific streaming services, Netflix. Um, so they picked up the YouTube original series Cobra Kai, uh, which is based off of the original Karate Kid movie and had originally been a YouTube original series. So they're picking up season three for that. Um, another pickup from them, they also uh, picked up the sequel to the stop motion animated film from 2000, Chicken Run. Uh, so 20 years ago, you know, the, from the week of this announcement, um, Chicken Run actually had gone on to become the highest grossing stop motion animated film of all time. Uh, both domestically and worldwide. Um, it's kind of a saying that Ardman Productions isn't going to release in theatrically. I kind of really wish there was a chance to see Chicken Run in theaters, but it kind of makes sense. You know, Ardman had had uh, some flops with Early Man and The Pirates and then Saw the Seep 2, um, actually going directly to Netflix for the US just because it didn't do well domestically for them in, in Britain. Um, so it makes for them sense for them to try to cast out as stop motion is definitely not the cheapest thing to produce. Um, in any case, I'll be looking forward to seeing it as I love stop motion anime and Chicken Run was one of the movies of my childhood, though apparently they're also going to be recasting the Mel Gibson character. Um, Netflix, you know, another Netflix news, they also announced that they are seeing an increase in international shows being watched during the pandemic. Um, this makes sense, you know, as consumers go through all the back catalog of whatever is already available, um, you know, they're going to want more content as, as we stay sheltered in place. Um, and not, new, not much new stuff is in the pipeline to be produced. So kind of the pre-existing, uh, you know, foreign foreign productions um, are kind of what, what we have to fall back on. I know my wife has definitely been, you know, binging a bunch of uh, Korean dramas lately. 
technically on Netflix. So um, let's see. Moving on to HBO Max. Um, I'm not going to rag on them again like I have in past weeks. Still no update for them coming to Roku or, or Amazon TV yet. Um, but uh, we did get a date for the Snyder Cut of the Justice League movie, or kind of uh, early to mid-2021, no specific date yet. I wonder how that's going to go with, you know, if they have to do actual productions or reshooting or whatever, how the editing process is going to go for that cut because apparently it's actually not made yet. Um, so yeah, uh, they also, you know, in a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how they uh, had gone with the wind, removed from the HBO Max service. Um, it's now back with a, you know, contact or a contextual discussion on the historical, you know, context of, of um, racial inequality um, and kind of the legacy of that of that in the film. Um, so yeah, yeah, Gone with the Will, Gone with the Wind is back on HBO Max. Uh, finally, for Disney Plus, um, you know there were some reports um, that they are going to go live uh, September fifteenth in eight more European countries. Uh, that would be Portugal, Belgium, Finland, Iceland, Luxembourg, Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. Um, in addition, you know, last week I had actually one of the uh, well, last week I had mentioned that uh, you know Hamilton is coming to Disney Plus. That's this week, uh, Friday on July third. Um, super excited for that. Uh, but you know, I was wondering they got a PG thirteen rating. How were they able to pull that? Because I know there's definitely some, you know, f bombs being dropped in the show. Uh, it turns out there was exactly three f bombs in the show. Um, and Lin Manuel on Twitter, uh, shortly after I put up my episode, confirmed that of the three, he had to cut two of them in order to get the PG-13 rating. Um, again, in any case, I'm definitely excited to finally see Hamilton um, with the original cast on Disney Plus. Uh, hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag please sponsor me. Um, if you're a bit tired of all the streaming news, uh, you're not alone. Uh, there was a report, this, a report this week out from Deloitte um, that the average number of streaming services per consumer has gone up from three services to four, um, or roughly from 69% of the population last year to up to 80% this year. Um, however, there was also increased streaming fatigue, uh, and that causes people to cancel services. You know, perhaps they get a free trial um, and then you know cancel it, um, such as you know Disney Plus. Recently stopped having their free trials in anticipation for Hamilton. Um, and then, you know, there's also, or maybe it's just because the fact that people are making less money now due to, pan due to the pandemic, household income has gone down. So people are cutting back on what streaming services they have um, after trying them out. Um, so there's more churn, you know, if the number of services we've had have gone up, but the more cancellations, that's more churn. The Lurt study, you know, um, you know, also found some interesting insights. Um, you know, oh, one other thing, sorry, before I got to that, um, you know, consumers also mentioned that they really wanted more ad-supported services uh, as opposed to paid services, which is where kind of the market is right now, mostly it's paying for, you know, unlimited access to a particular service. Uh, maybe those marketplaces for an ad-supported service, um, but who knows? Um, anyway, back to the other point I was going to make. Uh, the Deloitte study also had some interesting insights with regard to PVOD. Um, they said that 22% of consumers overall, so about one in two, one in five, um, that's roughly 30% for Gen Z and 36% for millennials, um, ended up actually watching a PVOD direct to uh, streaming or, or rental, um, you know, uh, movie um, this past pandemic, uh, such as you know, Twelve's World Tour or Scoob. 90% um, of the people who said that they had said they would do it again. Um, meanwhile, you know, the 80-ish percent of people who did not, of that, 42% said that they would not because uh, it was too expensive to do so. You know, uh, 20 bucks for a, um, 
for 24 hour, 48 hour rental is definitely not a great value proposition to some people. Um, and that's just some food we thought as, you know, we get to a place where PVOD will become more and more likely as theaters remain closed. Um, so who knows what happens, especially if, you know, people are finding it already too expensive. Um, if PVOD becomes a strategy for, for um, studios, how much money will they actually be able to get? Uh, finally, the last bit of movie news, um, the Golden Globes. Um, I talked a couple weeks ago how the Oscars moved from February 28th to April 25th. Um, I have a whole other podcast, the Oscars Death Race podcast, where I did an update on that on that so a little bit more in detail. Well, it turns out that the Golden Globes is actually going to move from an early January date that they usually have to February 28th, 2021, so the same date that the Oscars originally had. Um, as I noted in previous weeks, you know, with the in the same way that Tenet uh, is causing a cascade, the fact that Dominic of um, you know different movies to move around it. Um, you know the Oscars kind of has the same effect for the awards shows. Battle already moved, and now the Golden Globes. Um, so yeah, that's just another you know movie related news. Um, yeah, I think that's all the news I have. You know, no real updates on movies I've been watching this week. Um, I have an update for my other podcast, Filmography and Focus. I'm going to be taking a bit brief hiatus on that, just because you know I find that that movie that that podcast is best at its best when I have a movie in theater that I'm expecting to watch and I'm watching a, a movie kind of related to something coming out. So obviously, with nothing coming in theaters, I'm going to take a pause until Tenet comes out when I'll be watching Christopher Nolan films. Um, but yeah, in, in in any case, that's a wrap for this episode of the Box Office Watch podcast. Uh, if you have any feedback or suggestions, um, you know, shoot me an email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play as well. You leave us a review there on your podcast service of choice or on podchaser.com. That would be super helpful. Um, I'll include those links in the show notes. Uh, numbers used in the show when I have them come from thenumbers.com or intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. Find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Uh, editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast. And remember, our watch goes on. Bye, guys. Bye.